0: It's time! What's up, you savages? Welcome to the Primal Lifestyle Podcast. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers grass-fed beef, free-range chicken, and heritage-bred pork directly to your front door. All of their meat is free of antibiotics and hormones. They source and taste test the best cuts from their trusted farmers, carefully curating the finest selection of cuts for you or making it a breeze to choose your own. I like to choose my own. I like to go on and get a custom box, pick out some nice ribeyes, some strip steaks, of course some bacon and some ribs, delicious cuts of meat for an affordable price, grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic chicken, heritage-bred pork. You guys get to save $10 and get some free bacon through us, you're going to check out primaljedi.com forward slash butcher box. You're going to use coupon code AP10. You're going to get some free bacon. You get $10 off your order. You can cancel it anytime. If you get a box and you're like, yo, this meat's whack, man, don't order again. Go on and cancel. Bada bing, bada boom. No charges, no, no fees, no tax, free shipping on all your boxes. I love these things. When I get my butcher box, I'm doing cartwheels around the house. I'm so excited can recommend them enough. We are very grateful for them because we get to save some money and you guys get to save some money. Please support the show by checking out butcher box again, primaljedi.com forward slash butcherbox. Coupon code AP one zero free bacon ten bucks. So today's episode is one of my favorites. We got to speak with Dr. Nevada Gray, also known as the Paleo Pharmacist on Instagram and social media. Her website, paleopharmacist.com, is a blog for transformational dieting and exercise for those who need it. So similar to what Blake and I are doing on primaljedi.com, Dr. Nevada Gray is doing over on her platform. She's raising awareness for a meat-based diet using hashtags like meat heals and eat nose to tail and carnivore diet and zero carb and things like that. It's one of the weirder diets out there, man. And I've been on it for a while. You guys have probably heard me speak about it. I love it. I love the way I feel. I have tons of energy. I'm burning fat like crazy, and it's the strongest I've ever felt in my life. Dr. Nevada has a totally different story from me and a lot of other people who are doing it as she used this as a diet to heal a condition that nearly paralyzed her from the waist down. She does a much better job of explaining it than I ever could through this little introduction. So we're going to get right to the show. Dr. Nevada Gray, I want you guys to go follow her. She's at The Paleo Pharmacist on Instagram, paleopharmacist.com. For everything else, you can see all of her work and and what she's into. Special shout out to her because even as we are a few days past recording the podcast, she is still reaching out and helping us with the show and giving me tons of great advice. Uh, She's a a wealth of knowledge and a very, very good person. We're very happy to have her on. I'm going to send it over. Thank you guys for checking out the Primal Lifestyle Podcast. Check out ButcherBox, all that good stuff. But don't miss a word. This is Dr. Nevada Gray on the carnivore diet. Please enjoy. Here today with Dr. Nevada Gray. Can we call you Nevada or do we call You you Dr. Nevada?
1: You can call me Nevada.
0: We appreciate that. I love that you're coming on. I've been doing this carnivore diet for a little bit and i've been wanting to nerd out with somebody pretty bad so blake could tell you i've been my knees has been shaking the last couple of weeks i've been really excited to get you on and talk to you i'm, I'm friends with you on instagram i follow you and I, i'm a huge fan of your content you don't seem like one of those uh carnivore i call them carnivore vegans like those uh carnivores who kind of attack vegans the same way vegans would attack carnivores i see that all the time and um I really appreciate your content and you were kind enough to come on today. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and um, we could go from there.
1: Oh, thank you so much for the compliment. I really appreciate it. And I love what you guys are doing. So it's an honor to be here. So I had a rare spinal cord injury in, in 2016, which catapulted me onto Instagram and onto sharing my journey in a in this space, in this carnivore uh, ketogenic space, because I started the ketogenic diet because of that uh, injury. Prior to that, I had been struggling since my early 20s and teen years with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a hormonal condition that causes insulin resistance and cysts on the ovaries. It can lead to infertility and causes all these unpleasant symptoms that women have to deal with, with irregular uh, menstrual cycles, Awful PMS, awful pain. Some women go on and develop endometriosis. So I was dealing with that, uh, going to the gym, trying to find every diet known to man that could possibly help me. I ended up going to nursing school after studying and getting my biochemistry degree at the University of Massachusetts in an attempt to help people because that's my passion in life, but to try to help myself and to try to understand what I could be doing to better my own health. So through that process, I was, uh, I've tried every diet I was on. uh, I I ate a lot of vegetables. I did Atkins. I did the paleo diet. I was constantly reading, constantly searching. I had hired a personal trainer at the gym. At my heaviest, I was 220 pounds on the verge of a pre-diagnosis diabetes diagnosis. And I ended up uh, hiring a trainer and started doing everything that was in the fitness magazines with the containers. I I was meal prepping. I was eating every two hours. I was training at the gym. I was lifting weights, learning the proper technique with that. And I ended up losing 50 pounds. 55-0? Yep. 50 pounds. And it was a hard 50 pounds to lose. It was a struggle. It was nothing like the side effect of the weight loss I've had since I did the keto and carnivore diet. But it was, it was a hard, it was hard. I was constantly at the gym. I was constantly eating and my whole life was revolving robbering around that to try to cure a health problem. And I was uh, someone that didn't really go to the doctors. I went for my physical and for wellness checks, which is how I found out that I had my pre diabetes diagnosis. And then one day I just, fell really ill. I I had a fever. I was feeling awful. And throughout the day my glands and my neck were swelling. And I was progressively getting worse and worse. And ended up going to an emergency room where they thought I had meningitis. So I had a CAT scan and I had a a spinal tap that where they were looking for uh, meningitis. And it ended up causing this little tear. So I had a CSF leak after that. And it um, what that is, is the spinal fluid was going out where it wasn't supposed to. So it causes this awful spinal headache where you can't stand up, uh, or because you get this awful headache and you get dizzy and then it goes away when you lie down. So I ended up developing this. So they put a blood patch in the area of my L5 S1. And I believe that was the root cause of the quad syndrome that I went on to develop because after that happened for a year and a half, but a year and a half after I had really, really bad back pain. And it just kept getting progressively worse. I was still going to the gym. I was still following mostly a paleo diet, uh, eating a lot of quinoa. I had lowered my carbs a little bit uh, with that. So I was still following all, all of that.
2: So, excuse me, I don't want to interrupt yeah. you. But oh, you, sure. think, you think this all derived from the spinal tap?
1: I, I do. Oh. I do. Yeah, because my, my back was fine until then, and it was mm-hmm. after that. Uh, procedure and I ended up having mono. Uh, of, of all the things oh, to have, nice. that that's what was causing that. I have no idea where I caught it. I do work with a lot uh, the general public. I, uh-huh. I work with patients all the time, so I, I could have picked something up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that was my that was my diagnosis. And uh, you know, other than the PCOS, I wasn't a person that was you know sick. I never got colds. I wasn't someone mm. chronically in the doctor's office. So for me to have gone to the emergency room that day. I felt like I was gonna yeah, uh, like that <laughs> that's, going to die. Yeah, that's, and it was just the worst headache I had ever had. And I'm someone that never had headaches. Um, and my glands, that was what was really concerning me because they were mm. so swollen. So I, I had this procedure and I just had back pain after I kept going to my doctor and telling him I'm having really, really bad back pain. So I went to physical therapy that helped for a little bit. I was still working with the trainer, uh, still following the paleo diet. And then about a month before my disc herniated, I started having this ominous feeling because I was having weird sensations in my legs that they were going to give out. And I would just be standing somewhere and I feel, oh, I feel like my legs are gonna give out. And I started having trouble going to the bathroom. So I went to my primary care physician. They did all, you know, these tests. They looking for a urinary tract infection. And they're like, everything's normal, everything's normal. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not normal. And uh, one day I was at work and I started to get the worst sciatica I had ever felt in my life. My legs just started feeling heavy. My foot wasn't working. It was getting lazy. And I work as a pharmacist, so I do long shifts, a 12-hour shift. I had to use a motorized cart at my job to get out to my car that night because I was in so much pain. So I thought to myself, and I'm a person that does not call in sick to work, I was thinking to myself, I'm either going to call in sick to work or I'm going to try to get through the day and then just go see my primary care doctor. So I went to bed that night, and I slept a little bit. And I woke up the next morning and went to get out of bed and I fell and I realized that I was paralyzed Uh, because when you're going paralyzed, you just, you lose an awareness of it. It's, it's the strangest thing. I didn't realize my legs were going paralyzed and I lost control of my bladder. And I realized at that point that something was, was seriously wrong. I was very, I was scared to death and I realized I had to get to a very high, a high level medical center. So that was the first thought in my mind is I need to get to a high level, high medical center that can do an MRI and figure out what's going on with me. So I started calling everybody on my phone until somebody answered and got got in the car, which was a struggle, got to the emergency room. The paramedics had to get me out of the car because I couldn't walk. I was triaged immediately. The emergency room doctor realized there was something wrong with my spinal cord. So I went right up to MRI. When I came out, there was an ambulance waiting to take me to a higher level medical center that had neurosurgery. And when I arrived, the neurosurgeon was waiting there, and I had emergency surgery for what they diagnosed as quadriquetinous syndrome from a massive disc herniation of my L5 S1. Wow. So, so what that is just so your listeners have a context: the spinal cord ends around the lumbar. Area around the L one, L two, and from there, this bundle of nerves comes out, and they're all the uh, spinal roots. And those nerves look like a horse tail, and it was the horse tail of the spinal cord that what was crushed because the disc rather than, you know, come out to the side, it just came out central. It just came straight out that the annulus that holds it in place tore from side to side and the thing just exploded in my back. So, um, I was in the worst pain of my life. I had lost control of my bladder. I didn't even know that I was peeing my pants, I had saddle anesthesia. So that's where you, the area where you would sit on a horse. I couldn't feel that at all. I had, my legs felt heavy and asleep and no reflexes. And I remember them testing for stuff and telling me to do stuff. And I'm looking at them. They knew, well, the high level medical center I initially went to, they weren't, Positive, it was Aquinas syndrome, uh-huh. uh, but it was pointing towards a diagnosis of that, which is why they got me immediately to a higher level medical mm-hmm. center because quadroquina syndrome is extremely rare. Most physicians will never see a case in their lifetime.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, a lot of patients, unfortunately, uh, there is not much in the literature as far as follow up. Most of what's in the literature is time to surgery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So... There's red flags to the condition that aren't always recognized. So unfortunately, patients that do have quadroquina syndrome do not get the surgery within the critical window of mm-hmm. uh, before permanent uh, paralysis takes place or permanent loss of bowel, bladder. So, wow. so yeah, so those things um, unfortunately happen. So there's a real lack of education about the condition. Yeah. Fortunate for me, the emergency room physician that triaged me recognized the red flags that I was having that's the unbelievable. red flags. I mean, yeah.
2: it's, that's awesome. I mean, it's as for a shitty situation is, it's awesome.
1: Yeah. So it was, is everything just aligned that day mm-hmm. the way, the way it was supposed to, so I could get the help that I needed. And I'm so grateful for the physicians and the nurses that triaged me so quickly and got me the help that I needed right away.
2: Yeah. Cause I read your bio on your website. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've never heard of this. And I'm, I was, I'm not a doctor, so I don't hear of a lot of these things. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, this in particular, I'm like, this sounds like so bizarre. And the fact that now you're explaining it and how rare it is and that you just happened to hit that window, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty amazing stuff.
1: Yeah, I had my surgery. I calculated my surgery from the time I had the initial symptoms of the sciatica. But I had a slow onset of it. It was mm-hmm. gradually over over the month before the herniation happened. I was having... Symptoms that there was something wrong,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it was missed because so many people have back pain. Yeah.
2: So,
1: so most physicians aren't going to be thinking, oh, she's going to have Aquinas syndrome. It's, mm-hmm. it's around one in a hundred thousand um, in, in patients. And there was one paper I read. It was one in two million for one of oh. the countries. So wow. it's, not, it's not something where, the, where these patients are followed. So yeah. unfortunately it, it is missed. And I do see that in the quadroclinus syndrome community, patients with permanent deficits.
2: Now, my question to you is, do you know what the cause of something like this is happening? Was it an overtraining thing? Is it just bad luck or?
1: I think, I think what happened, this is my personal theory, is when yeah. I had that spinal tap, an injury occurred to the mm. annulus um, that holds the disc in place and something happened there. That caused a disruption in that disc. Yeah. So I, I feel it never healed in a combination of the training that I was doing, Mm -hmm. which in hindsight now, some of the training I was doing, I didn't have the proper core strength to be doing. So that could have contributed also Mm
2: -hmm.
1: uh, to the, to the injury. So, I think it was the perfect storm, gotcha. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm.
0: So now what did your doctors use or, or tell you uh, that you should be doing after that, after you had your surgery and uh, in, in order to get better? What were some of the some of? Uh, – I'm sure they didn't say uh, eat nothing but meat, but what were some guidelines that they gave you to, uh, to get yourself back to as close to normal as you could be?
1: Well, my neurosurgeon was amazing because when – I woke up, he looked at me and he said, I believe you can have full recovery. That's the first thing he said to me, he said, he said, I didn't see any nerve death. And he said, I'm really hopeful that you can have a full recovery. And that's those words I clung to Mm -hmm. on my worst days after this, because after the surgery, when I was lying in bed, I couldn't feel, um, you know, my butt cheeks, I couldn't really feel my saddle. My left leg came back that I had motor and sensory in, but my right leg, I had a combination of motor and sensory. I had foot drop. So I was, I was telling everyone, I'm like, my neurosurgeon said I can have full recovery. So that's what I was clinging on to. I was discharged with home services and by the grace of God, I had a physical therapist. My mom came over every day. I had friends coming over to help me set up my apartment because just to walk from the couch or the bed to the bathroom was a huge uh, thing for me. Mm -hmm. So I had to plan that. If I dropped anything on the ground, I had to wait till somebody would come. Uh, I couldn't, shower by myself uh, all the the things to take for granted how
0: long Uh,
1: was
2: was this taking place
1: this was I was I was homebound uh, not able to drive for quite a few months so and then I was able to do outpatient, um and I was able to eventually go back to work but I had to build up my stamina to be able to stand for 12 hours at work Mm. so I had to build up my stamina and my endurance I had to learn how to walk properly with a proper gait, how to correct my muscle imbalances. So my recovery, I did PT for two years. I paid uh, private pay because I had some complications and I really wanted to be ahead and correct these muscle imbalances because the advice my neurosurgeon gave me, he, he said, drink a lot of water, walk as much as you can, stay active, correct the muscle imbalances and keep mm-hmm. the muscles that you can't feel strong. He didn't really give me any dietary advice. There wasn't really much on the condition because he told me don't google this condition. And I the first thing I did was google. And I and I panicked. <laughs> and then yeah, and, I mean, I, and then yeah. I was uh, and then I was on PubMed. I was uh, trying to find somebody that had this that would talk to me. The support groups I did find weren't very encouraging. So, I realized I just had to make my own recovery. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, my first week when I was home, I was a little discouraged and having a bad day after Googling this condition. And a friend of mine said, why don't you get on YouTube and, you know, look up people that beat the odds and get yourself encouraged. And so I looked up that and I looked up some Kevin Hart comedy because Uh Kevin Hart you know if you're having a bad day just listen to that
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> he makes everybody, he makes everybody yeah. feel good. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yes. So I was so I was laughing and crying the whole time I was doing that. So then I was um so I heard Sean Stevenson and he said he was talking about how he cured himself from degenerative disc and spine disease. And listening to this podcast, I listened to it over and over and it gave me so much hope. And I thought, okay, he had a process for coming back from something that they said was not curable. He broke his hip when I believe he was 16 years old, he was talking about, and he cured himself with fitness and nutrition. he went on to do this podcast. So I got an Instagram, created an account just to get in touch with him. And he answered my message. He answered my comments, gave me the the episode number, Numbers for his own podcast and from there I listened to him on every podcast that he was on Talking about his process talking about how the body can regenerate stem cells talking about how he corrected muscle imbalances Talking about restorative sleep. So I started immediately implementing what he was talking about as I was researching it And from there I started to see some research with neurodegenerative conditions in the ketogenic diet so that's what brought me to the ketogenic diet. And I found Vanessa Spinna, who's the ketogenic girl, and she had a 28 day plan. So I bought, purchased that plan and went in her coaching group. And she answered messages and all sorts of questions because I felt like my life depended on doing this diet correctly uh, and being able to walk again and regenerate my nerves and give my nerves the best shot because my neurosurgeon said the first year was the most critical time Mm -hmm. for things coming back. So this was my number one priority.
2: Did you experience a lot of uh, muscle atrophy during the time, like during the beginning part of your recovery before you could move and walk and all that?
1: I noticed that my right leg was smaller than my left Mm -hmm. and I feel because I had the combination of sensory and motor so I feel like there was some muscle atrophy happening especially when I had the foot drop I was having trouble moving my foot up and down so I had this swinging gait mm-hmm. that I I had to learn to correct so the only part I could feel for the the most part for almost 2 years was just a little part on my heel so I could never feel my foot on the ground mm-hmm. so I I had to pay attention to the point above the muscles above the ankle, gotcha. how, how they felt when my ankle was flexed. So the foot drop by the grace of God was gradually resolving itself on its mm-hmm. own. And I think it's because of the exercises I was given to do, uh, which every day was foot day and it was multiple times a day. I didn't just do the exercises once I would break it up throughout the day. So mm-hmm. I was constantly active and constantly doing these exercises to correct yeah. these yeah. muscles. And I didn't want to have a brace because I didn't want my body to become dependent on it. I want to teach my body. No, exactly. this is, you have yeah. to, you have to walk. So I want no to train, train the muscles. Yeah. Yes.
2: Gotcha. But,
1: but I did uh, get special sneakers with a, with a wide uh, toe box. Cause my foot w- was quite swollen mm-hmm. and I put an orthotic in it, which kept my foot in the upright position. So the foot drop, it took about a year to gradually, resolve itself and then the second year it got better and now i don't notice it unless my foot gets cold and then the muscles get a little irritated or the nerves get a little irritated and i'll and it's like you you're i'll start tripping Mm -hmm. and i'll notice i'm like okay i need to warm my foot up yeah so it's it was quite challenging uh Mm. to say the least but I'm, i'm really grateful for everything that has come back
0: you're a beast. That's, that's, that's a hell of a story. That's really cool. So, so at this point you were, um, you were on a ketogenic diet.
1: Yeah. So I did. So I did a ketogenic diet and I started paying attention to my body because one of the things Sean Stevenson said is your, your body knows what to do. You just have to listen to it. So I started listening to it and I was exhausted after, after this happened to me. And I just, my body just wanted to sleep. I was craving fats and protein. And being on the ketogenic diet, tracking everything to make sure I was in ketosis and making sure that I was moderating my protein and doing this diet correctly, I was never satisfied. I felt like I, I wanted to eat more protein. I wanted to eat more fat. And I and I didn't because I felt that if I did that, I would be
0: – Throw your macros I, off. And yeah. Yeah. I'd be,
1: I'd be throwing my macros off and I wouldn't be in the state that my nerves needed to regenerate. Right. So I noticed I felt better when I didn't eat or if, um, I was eating just meat. So I just noticed that intuitively on my own. And I think part of the reason I wasn't hungry is because when you have an injury, your immune system wants to fix it. So how does it do that? It does that through restorative sleep. And through fasting, it, you're not worrying about digesting, you're not worrying about doing all these other things. So the immune system can do what it wants to do. And I truly believe that because I did fast, there were periods where I just wasn't hungry, I didn't eat, that that was part of uh, my body eating the disc material that my neurosurgeon couldn't get to. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was completely like my body absorbed it, which... On an MRI, after I couldn't believe that that had happened because I oh, I was walking around feeling like I had a time bomb in my back. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's rough.
0: So, so you felt better with when you eliminated plants. How, how did you come yeah. to that? Were you just like one day you ran out of avocados and were just like, God, I just have this cheeseburger here. No, how, I, how, did, how did you?
1: I was kind of a closet carnivore. I was kind of just eating meat, and then I would go a week without me and think I just need to need to have a vegetable. I need to eat a vegetable because I was so socially conditioned. So I would right. go out and get a vegetable. And with this injury and after my back surgery, I was struggling with constipation, which was one of the uh, side effects of having an injury to your spinal cord because your bowel and bladder is affected. My bladder came back, thank God. So I had you know no problems with that, but I was struggling with the constipation. And in hindsight, I think that – I'm not sure how much of it was related to the injury as to the food I was eating on the ketogenic diet because I noticed one of the things I noticed was when I ate all meat and fat or fasted, I didn't have that problem. So I started to associate that with something that I was eating as well. So I was kind of a closet carnivore and, and trying to do everything correct and then we were in, uh, my mom and I, We. Were, my mom did this with me. We were in keto maintenance and she grew a garden uh, the summer after my dad passed away. We lost my dad to a massive heart attack uh, very suddenly. Sorry and to hear that. She, thank you. And uh, she grew a garden. And in her garden, she was growing all these nightshades. So for an entire summer, we were eating all of these nightshades from her garden. Some and nightshades both of us, for
0: people who don't know, that's about yeah. potatoes, peppers, eggplant, things like that.
1: Yeah, and tomatoes. Yep. And we were eating this, and we both had massive back flares. Our joints were swollen. I was gaining weight. I noticed my I was having some skin issues, and I felt terrible. And I was back in PT. I, I went and had an MRI. I was having a inflammation at my facet joint, uh, which is at the, the the joint in the spinal, uh, in the spine. It was getting irritated, which is around where I had my surgery.
2: Is your your first thought something I'm eating is doing this to me? Or are you thinking, oh, my God, maybe I'm not as recovered as I thought I was going to be?
1: I I was panicking a little bit that something was going wrong with my back. And then Uh I was also thinking this has to be something I'm eating because I was feeling really good before. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So around this time, because I was spending a lot of time on YouTube with the ketogenic diet, I happened to see – this YouTube that caught my eye and it was Georgia E and she was talking about plants and she was talking about the toxicity, the neurotoxicity of nightshades. And this mm-hmm. was everything that we we're eating. So I immediately called my mom and I said, your garden is killing us. We have to stop <laughs> eating yeah. this, oh, no. eating this immediately. <laughs> and she had talked about a meat-based diet. So around this time, I was intrigued by it because I noticed that when I was eating the protein and fat, I felt better. Or mm. when I wasn't eating, I felt better. And then I happened to see Sean Baker on Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. And I thought my first impression was this guy is nuts. And then I was That's thinking, what I
2: thought.
1: <laughs> and, then I, and then I was thinking with what he was saying and with what I heard with Georgia Eid and then thinking about my own case, I was thinking there is something to this and I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I know it's radical, but I'm, I'm just going to do this. My mom did this with me. She's a full carnivore. She's 69 years old and she's thriving. Awesome. So I just started eating all meat. And at first I failed because I was still conditioned with a ketogenic diet that I had to moderate my protein. Mm-hmm. So I was depriving myself. I wasn't eating enough. And then I was listening you know, to Sean's YouTube and the stuff that he had to say about just eating when you're hungry, eating when you're and not eating when you're not hungry. So I Mm -hmm. thought this, this is so simple and I'm a minimalist by nature. So I decided I'm just going to be a minimalist and I'm just going to do steak and eggs and I'm just going to eat until I'm full and I'll eat again when I'm hungry. So when I started doing that, I had massive success with the carnivore diet and steak and eggs are my favorite food. They're a staple. I added on bone broth and I would add on bacon, and I would have pork. And that those were the staples uh, of all I was eating. And I was, started thriving. I started noticing I became pain-free. I didn't have any nerve pain. I noticed more flexibility. I noticed strength coming back. And this wasn't an overnight process of starting carnivore. This was probably my entire third year. I've been carnivore, I would say, for about a year and a half. If you include the closet carnivore, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it wasn't something that was overnight. I know a lot of people have overnight success with this, and especially with the neurological injury. But I believe the way I was eating bypassed metabolic pathways that allowed my nerves to be able to do what they needed to do
2: mm-hmm. uh, to
1: start regenerating and to start getting motor and sensory back. So the only deficit I have right now is I cannot feel two toes. There's no motor or sensory in the toes. They, they just exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's all I have, you, you know, and they never come back, I'm, I'm happy with that.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you have an end game as far as this goes uh, by that? I mean, uh, for many people, and I would say this mostly about myself because I have been on it nearly as long as you. Uh, it's been a mm-hmm. few weeks where I've been pretty strict with it. Same uh, mm-hmm. same types of staple food: uh, bone broth, steak, uh, eggs, a little bit of bacon, pork, stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. and I feel great. I love it. But it's not my end game. I, I don't see myself uh, x amount of years from now still being like still going to say like a a, a wedding or an event or something being like no mm-hmm. I, I can't touch anything or just for sure pleasure, you know, slicing into an avocado once in a while or yep. uh, et cetera. So do you, do you have any any type of thoughts on that as far as a, an elimination style diet or are you sold on this is the way, this is what I'm doing? Uh, what, what's your end game?
1: Well, my end game I think has to do with the state of my health right now. Um, right. I, yeah. I was going to say yeah. that
0: too. I'm not doing this because I'm not yeah healing from anything. I'm doing this because I like it and I feel really good and really strong more stronger than I've ever felt in my life, uh, from eating about 300 grams of protein a day. It's, it makes sense. Uh, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off.
1: Oh no, I am happy. I'm happy for your success. I, I truly believe everyone should feel good. Um, and I also had with the PCOS, I just want to mention, I had an ultrasound at a checkup and I had no cysts on my ovaries. And I had forgotten I had this condition and then I was dealing with a struggle because I was so concerned with walking again Mm
2: -hmm. that
1: it hadn't even crossed my mind until I went for my checkup. And I realized I'm not bothered by this condition anymore.
2: That's that's a beautiful
1: thing. It it was absolutely amazing. So taking that into account and taking into account how good I feel right now and and how I'm thriving, I'm not closed-minded as far as – Will I ever eat a vegetable again? I don't know. I may. I do love Brussels sprouts. Will I have some? I'll probably have some, you know, occasionally. A vegetable is going to be something that I'm going to eat regularly. Based on how I feel and the science that I have right now and, you know, speaking with uh, Dr. Saladino the other night and gaining some more information, I feel that I'll most likely evolve right now in the in the carnivore diet based on a lot of the advice that he's given. I've started to add in row. I'm going to start adding in more tendon I'm going to do the liver uh, yeah. that he had talked about on his post. So I'm going to evolve that yeah. way and and see how I feel and I'm going to play it by ear and you know keep abreast of the current science and the what the experts are are studying and coming out with. And I'll make my decisions based on that. But right now I feel really good. I feel really confident that I'm getting all the nutrition that I need. I don't have any deficiencies. So I, I, would,
0: I would agree with you, but many of the listeners, yeah. many people listening or, or um, you know, the general population would hear you say something like that mm-hmm. and be totally blown away and dismiss a lot of the Great science that you bring to the table, and say she's crazy. The same way we looked at Sean Baker, saying, "Yeah, no, I just I just eat nothing but meat. That's yeah, that's what I do, and I'm healthy as a horse." Um, mm-hmm. Can you explain for listeners? I'm pretty familiar with um, uh, beef liver and collagen, and and what those offer to the body. But um can you elaborate on that? On what you mean by you're getting the proper nutrition that one would need uh, by just eating meat?
1: I, I feel like every uh, vitamin that the body requires is in the meat, and I. Based, based that on how man has eaten for, you know, almost since the man has been on earth, we've, you know, eaten animals and then we've evolved to eat other things such as plants and grains. I, and I agree with Dr. Saldino, most likely probably out of survival. And some people thrive on grains and, and vegetables and they do really well. And I'm a huge advocate for people doing what works for them and finding what works for them and empowering themselves and educating themselves and in making informed decisions. And as a, as a healthcare provider, I do what works for me and my condition and what makes me feel good. But I don't want to isolate my patients or isolate anybody uh, that's struggling with a health condition because of the personal dietary choice that I make.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how do you separate that? So you you have patients, you have people coming to you for, um, I'm sure, nutritional advice. You know, probably outside of Instagram, probably just people mm-hmm. you know uh, in your life. How do you? How would you? Uh, or what would you advise somebody? Uh, look, looking for uh, a healthy alternative. Do you just do you go to you know meat and water, red meat and water, or do you? Would you still recommend uh, plant matter to people?
1: What I do is I empower people to make the best decisions for themselves. So I'll give them multiple resources to look at. And I encourage them to see how they feel and the symptoms that they're having and apply what those resources, what speaks to them out of those resources and make changes based on that. So I have a multitude of patients. I have I have some that are vegan. I have friends that are vegan. I have friends that follow the standard American diet. I have friends at are carnivore friends that do keto. And if it's working for you, do it. And it's my responsibility as a as a healthcare provider to provide the best resources so that patients can be successful in their individual choices. So I don't push the carnivore diet or anything like that on anybody. I speak from my own experience as an empowered patient. So I'm speaking to uh you know, about my journey as an empowered patient, not as Mm -hmm. a healthcare provider. If I was speaking, if you came to me and you, you came into my pharmacy and you, you're struggling with an autoimmune condition, you're, you're struggling and you're following uh, a vegetarian diet or you're following a a standard American diet, I would give resources. I'd say, Hey, look into this and Mm -hmm. see if it, see if it applies to you. But I, but I would give a multitude of resources so that patient can make an informed decision. I because I encourage patients to look at both sides of an issue, and to look at the patients that are sharing their stories and the results that they're getting, and to really see what these patients are doing to get this result.
0: So there's no one size fits all. It's, it's I, do your research, I, find something that works for yeah. you, and pay attention how your body's responding.
1: Yes, exactly. because yeah, I get
0: that a lot. I'm I'm a coach. I, I do a, a strength and conditioning coaching for um, Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu fighters. I'm a personal trainer, and mm-hmm. that's one of the number one questions I will get. You know, what should I eat, especially right after a mm-hmm. workout? What should I go home and eat? And I'm like, duh. Like yeah. <laughs> this, this, it's you, you know. I mean, you want to obviously tell them uh, avoid the yeah. junk and all, all that stuff, but that's um that's my opinion right. as well, and that was very well expressed. Thank you for that. Answer.
2: I feel like um, so everybody's like. Uh, genome is different so some people's body is more evolved than others so somebody can take plant matter and break it down much easier than somebody who like x y and z person you know so that's why i think that you're where, where you're coming from with your mindset on this is really good that you're not pushing you know just you eat this or you eat that because so many people have so many different variables that like for you the carnivore diet works perfectly for you there could be somebody who went through the same exact thing you're going through where it may not, you know. But I think that's that's all based on like a trial and error thing. Eat a bunch of broccoli for a week. See how you feel. If you feel like shit, don't eat a bunch of broccoli anymore. Right. <laughs> so right. I, I, I'm getting what you're saying. I like it. It's, it's really good.
1: Yeah, because I, I recently – was interviewed by Lindsay Elmore and she's a vegan pharmacist. And I think a lot of people were expecting us to debate and, you know, have this huge debate over which lifestyle is correct. Mm -hmm. And we just had a discussion because she thrives as a vegan and a lot of her followers are thriving as a vegan. Some of them incorporate meat. There were so many different lifestyles uh, Mm -hmm. with, with the empowered listeners that were on that discussion uh, for what they were doing, that was working for them. And I truly, truly encourage that. And I don't want anyone to be isolated from me to ask a question that could be a key to them empowering themselves in in their transformation. So I feel the carnivore diet works really well in autoimmune conditions and neurodegenerative conditions Mm. from what I'm seeing in, in the space. So. And having a, a neurodegenerative condition, especially one that's rare, where there's barely any literature on it, or mm-hmm. long-term patient follow-up, I had to create my own protocol and my my own recovery. Mm-hmm. So this, this was my individual process. So somebody else's process for it, a health condition that they have, or if, if they're you know gaining weight maybe different, Uh, maybe different foods. And one thing I love about Isabella Wentz who put her Hashimoto's into uh, remission is she just wrote her third book. She talks about identifying trigger foods and becoming your own own nutritionist and empowering yourself and really paying attention to your body and, and what works for you. And I'm a huge advocate for that. I'm a huge advocate for patients having a good relationship with their doctor because I think doctors get a bad rap Um, There are some bad doctors out there, but most of them Mm. want their patients to get better. They want to help their patients get better. uh, So they're willing to work with their patients. So I think communication there uh, needs to get a little bit better and patients with, with the internet. Uh, with all the resources and, and information out there, um, I feel patients really need to have quality resources, which is the whole point of me doing my Instagram account, is to mm-hmm. bring quality resources, whether it's your ground zero resource that you start with and then you branch out from there mm-hmm. with with other resources and you look at both sides to empower yourself.
2: Cool. Yeah. You guys got me wanting to try this diet out. Mm-hmm. So my baseline has always been like keto. I've, I've been doing keto for – about, probably about five years now, four mm-hmm. or five years, Jay. And um, I always try to try new things out every now and then. And then if it's work or doesn't work, I always just go – my reset button is the ketogenic diet. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to give this give this a whirl because it, it seems like it would be something really good.
1: And I feel that it would be easier for you to transition because being fat adapted mm-hmm. when I started this – was an easy transition for me. I, yeah. I did, other than not eating enough, which mm-hmm. was my huge mistake when I first started, I feel I've been really successful with it. I, cr- I crave the meat and the fat. I don't mm-hmm. crave sugar at all. Uh, the not one, me either. the one time I cheated, and I will give you a warning about this. I was at a wedding uh, in a summer, the summer of two thousand eighteen, and I cheated with a cupcake, some mm-hmm. salad, and there was some meat with some barbecue sauce on it. And I had one alcoholic beverage. And I'll tell you, I got so sick at that wedding, I thought I was going to die.
2: Really? And, and it's, wow. my
1: body just took all that sugar as poison.
2: Uh-huh, I just rejected and, everything.
1: Oh, I made my date go back in and tell people I was not intoxicated. It was the sugar.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it was It just within an hour, it just hit me. And I realized that if I'm going to do that, then this is, you know, my body is going to treat this as poison, which it
2: did. (laughs)
0: In the last couple, um, uh, maybe three, four weeks, I've done a pretty good job at uh, eliminating most plants. There's one plant that I don't know if I could eliminate. And you talked about this in your podcast with uh, Dr. Saladino, Mm
1: -hmm. coffee. Yes.
0: I, I don't know if that one's going anywhere anytime soon. Um, but you think there that, that maybe isn't uh, the best thing to be consuming daily?
1: Uh, based on what, he, what uh, Paul was talking about on Ben Greenfield, really got me right. thinking about my coffee because I've been addicted to coffee since pharmacy school, so this is an extremely hard thing for me to give up at yeah. this point. So I have 10 curry cups left, and I'm going to try to wean myself as well as uh, incorporating the liver. I'm already eating the raw. I'm already adding salmon in. And I just want to kick this coffee habit for the summer and see how I do without it because I went 30 years without having coffee. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: granted, I drank Diet Coke, which is not the best Mm -hmm. thing. So I did have the caffeine, but I went 30 years without coffee. And I would like to see how my body does with it but i think the coffee should be an individual decision uh based on you know each person and what they want to do but this is a personal decision for me based on uh what he has said about coffee Mm -hmm. i I would like to evolve my carnivore lifestyle uh by making some changes and see see how i do so i'm going to talk about it on instagram and maybe it's a key for somebody. Maybe coffee's inflaming me and I don't even know it.
0: Yeah. And I'll maybe- say I'll say a prayer for you because <laughs>
1: thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank
2: yeah.
1: you. I've I've tried a few times. I tried in January and I was at work and I had been about a week and a half without it and I broke down and went over to Starbucks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I tried at six o'clock this morning. I gave up at seven. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so say you go through six or eight weeks with no coffee and you don't really feel any different than you did while you are drinking coffee at six or eight weeks, are you just going to say, it's been eight weeks already. I'm just going to quit for good. Or are you going to be like, nah, I'm going to go back to it and try it out.
1: It, I think it would depend on how I feel. I think it would honestly depend on how I feel. If I'm feeling good and I'm not missing it. Mm-hmm. I also, I love the ritual of it. I love having yeah, my my coffee yeah. in the morning because yep. I get up in the morning and the first thing I do, because it's not good to train first thing in the morning, according to Stuart McGill, uh, with your back because mm-hmm. you're more prone to injury the first hour of waking. So I like to get up. I like to move around. I like to have a study time. I like to read and I like mm-hmm. to have my coffee. And then I go train for, um, At once I'm up for an hour and my, my back is re- ready to train.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it's just part of that whole ritual. So, I've been some mornings when I don't have to work and I don't ne- really need the coffee, I've mm-hmm. been trying to replace that with bone broth just so I still have the same ritual.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I've been weaning myself. It. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I, I've been weeding myself. I'm down to about a half a cup of black coffee. I, I drink my coffee black or I put same. a little bit of uh, ghee in it. Okay, cool. It's how I like it.
0: Yeah. I don't know. My fiance might leave me if, uh, if I give up coffee, man, that's like our thing where we, we love that stuff. It's, oh yeah. It's, it's tough. I don't know if, I don't know if I could do that one, but good luck. All power to you.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it's going to be rough, but I'm going to try.
0: <laughs> are there any other sneaky plant compounds that are, that you do use? Um, so, uh, Dr. Paul Saladino, who me and Blake were actually talking about earlier. Um, I think if he did drink coffee, you wouldn't be able to understand a word. Oh, he, says. he talks faster <laughs> <as he> than <talks. laughs>
2: anybody, I know.
0: Yeah, so so good for him. But um so he was in that podcast you were talking about, he talked about a lot of different plants um, having negative effects. I mean pretty much all yeah. of them. He was talking yeah. about um things like anti inflammatory, such as like turmeric or with, mm-hmm. I guess doing quotes. I know you can't see me, but like anti-inflammatory. Uh, yeah. But, you know ginger. They were talking about and, and all these mm-hmm. different things. And I loved Ben Greenfield's argument. N- not so much an argument, but him suggesting that um, just to have variety in your life and just yeah, be able to sit down at a table and, and be able to to um and and again this is this is me speaking. Uh, you're dealing, you're you're healing from what was a, a potentially paralyzing disease, so it's different. But um, I liked his take on it. But are there any of those sneaky plant compounds that you do uh, take in from time to time? Or you're like zero. I, I honestly salt.
1: just, I just, I just sought my food because uh, Sean Baker was honestly my model for the carnivore diet and how I approached it. And he, I noticed he ate steak. So I, so I, he a
0: lot of steak. Man.
1: Yeah. So he, he was my model, um, and how to go about doing it because he's, the person that I learned from and, and then I branched out from him to other resources Mm -hmm. in the carnivore community and started looking to see what other people were doing. And then when uh, Dr. Saldino had his Instagram and he started talking about the carnivore, I think uh, the turbo nerds of carnivore, which I am one of them started Mm -hmm. cheering everywhere because we have all this incredible science that he's talking about and really Mm -hmm. getting us to think and evolve. Of all of our lifestyles, uh, with that, so it he really made me start thinking about um, about you know things I would I wouldn't have normally thought about. Like I, I would have if I was going to add pepper, I wouldn't have you know thought twice about the pepper. Yeah, but that's now I
2: was just going to bring up yeah, the black pepper. Yeah. yeah.
1: But but now I'm thinking, you know, do I really need the pepper? Uh, I do. My body does crave salt, so I used the, the Redmond salt. I switched over my salt to that. Um, so I, I add that in, but now I kind of think about everything in relation to, uh, to my nerves. Cause he gives, uh, in our talk, he gave a lot of really good information about the oh, nerves yeah. and, and the plants. Mm-hmm. So the, I
0: was trying to take notes. My hand wasn't fast enough.
1: Oh, I know. I know <laughs> the, the, the The content that, that he's coming out with is, is really, really good. And oh,
0: he's a smart cookie, man. Yeah. Yeah. He,
1: yeah and the reason I'm so grateful for him um, and having the opportunity to talk to him is he's been a key in helping me understand my miracle Uh, because I've been trying to understand my miracle because I've been told this is a miracle why I recovered and other patients didn't. And I Mm. truly believe it has something to do with my diet. I agree a lot with what Dr. Saldino has to say uh, about the science and the, information that he's put out regarding nerd, neurodegenerative conditions and with the nerves has been a huge key of helping me put everything together that I've been reading to understand and formulate a hypothesis for why I, I recovered from this
2: Yeah,
1: and other patients haven't been as successful. So that's part of the reason I share my journey too, because maybe this is a key for somebody that's been recently diagnosed with quad that has a, um, neurodegenerative condition. So that's why I put myself out there to, to share with patients that are going through something similar, but also to empower patients, um, and teach a process of how you can go about empowering yourselves. Because I notice a lot of patients have a hard time figuring out where to start and mm-hmm. how, how to go about that, that whole process.
2: I'd say so. No, uh, can, oh, sorry. You, can, you talk Jay. you. You're
0: up, you're up. <laughs> can you talk about this? This is a question for me. Cause, um, I have, uh, you know, there's a lot of literature out there. Um, now, in the carnivore community, it's a little bit more, uh, it, it's different. So, for a long time in the keto community, everything was uh, grass fed beef, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, pasture raised chicken, pastured pork, uh, like all these organic and, and really clean meats. Uh, do you personally only eat grass fed meats or do you uh, have any literature or science based off of grass fed versus grain fed? Because I know, like like Sean Baker, for example, he, he doesn't care. Um, Mm -hmm. But a guy like Ben Greenfield, he he won't he won't eat green fed meat. Do you have a a preference and uh, maybe any some science behind that uh, for the listeners who kind of wonder? Because I I talk about that a lot. And uh, maybe you could share some insight to.
1: As far as the science, I would have to refer you to the experts that that talk about that for the higher level science related to that. I could speak from my personal preference in Based on what I've heard Sean Baker say, what I've heard Dr. Saladino say, and a few other experts in the um, kind of our community. I personally order uh, the grass-fed, grass-finished is my preference Mm -hmm. because grains are a neurotoxin. So I don't want to take the chance personally that I could be ingesting them. Uh, If I'm on a budget, I will Get a grass fed, possibly grain finished meat, depending on my budget. Uh, most of my meat I order right from Butcher Box since I've discovered them. They're out of Massachusetts, which is where I'm from. So I order, I try to order the highest quality meats. I do eat pasture raised eggs. So I do tr- uh, try my best to eat food. Um, where the animals were fed, what they're supposed to eat in nature,
2: mm. versus
1: versus the grain. That's a personal preference on me. Um, I think where Sean comes from is not everyone can afford this lifestyle. People are on budgets, especially uh, a lot of the patients that I help in my pharmacy. They're going bankrupt with the cost of some of these medications mm. and the, the healthcare costs. So I can see where he would tell people, you know buy what you can afford and also he's talked about where he's been to uh some of these ranches and he's seen how the animals are raised and the literature that he has spoke to i i think you know my advice would be just for people to buy what they can afford and make the best decision based on how they feel eating the meat whether it's grass-fed or grain-fed how they respond to it Yeah. yeah
2: I try to eat as much grass-fed meat as I can, um, but every now and then, sometimes, you know, your standard Tyson chicken gets thrown mm-hmm. in there, you know, but as long as it's once in a while, it's not all the time. I don't think it's going to really do too much damage.
1: Yeah, but- I, was ta- I was actually talking to Brett Lloyd the other day. He's, he reversed um, a men- mental illness, depression with carnivore diet, and mm-hmm. he talked about, you know, just purchasing what he could afford because he's on a budget, and he's had a tremendous result. Mm-hmm. um, with that very empowering story. And he was actually, he just recorded HBO, uh, with Sean. Uh, he was telling me so that I know that's coming out later in the month. So that's a really, uh, empowering story. And mm-hmm. he, he just, he just did kind of were on a budget.
2: Yeah. I think that a lot of the problems to those with like, um, you know, all the, the food industry now is that organic grass fed, all that stuff. Most of it, it's just companies paying for a label. Correct. Um, unless you're really going stri- like straight to the farm, mm-hmm. that you're really rolling the dice anyway. So um, like for instance, I just went to the farm a few weeks ago and I bought a whole bunch of meat. And I'm mm-hmm. actually – I'm my wife and I are moving into a new house in May. So once we get all set up in there, I'm going, I'm buying a cow. And we're just going to – we're going to freeze pack everything for the year and just mm-hmm. basically live off of – You know, th- th- these people are selling their meat to Whole Foods. So, mm-hmm. we're just basically cutting out the middleman. So,
0: yeah, I got to take a trip with you next time you go, man.
2: Yeah, come. I'm actually, I got a 10% off coupon at the farm that expires April 15th. So, come on down. Oh, we'll go soon. Nice. Yeah, that'll be good.
0: Man. So one more question I had for you. Uh, you sure. said you do some training uh, in the morning. What are you um What are you doing to train at this point? Are you strength training? Are you uh, cross training? Uh, what do you do to? I, I've seen. I also seen a before and after picture. So you, you got um significantly more lean and uh and you look great. So how? Oh, did thank you, you so uh, much. Do that?
1: No yeah. Um. So what I do for training is I built upon the foundation of my physical therapy that I had, and when I was in physical therapy. Part of being in control of what was happening to me and understanding what I needed to do to correct the muscle imbalances, I earned a personal training certificate through NASM. So that helped me understand the muscles and to be able to understand the work of Stuart McGill, Dr. Stuart McGill, who is the best resource on the back. So my physical therapist was a functional strength trainer, and she taught me how to train functionally to correct Mm -hmm. muscle imbalances. So I don't do anything... Really crazy. I tend to stick with the zone two cardio, uh, which my body really responds to. I do that fasted, and then I do strength training, uh, functional with uh, compound movements. Always working my core and glutes because that's what stabilizes my lumbar spine. So I build off of progressions uh, for what I can do. So I pay attention to how my back feels. I always keep my back in neutral. A lot Mm -hmm. of the a lot of the positions. um, Some of I don't usually work with machines. I, I work um, you know just freestanding
2: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, the functional uh, training and that I've learned and that that's pretty much how I train so I don't um, I don't deadlift my neurosurgeon did not feel that that was something that was safe for me so I, I don't do deadlifts I don't do sit-ups or crunches which aren't good anyway mm-hmm. um, I don't do what else don't I do some you of the machine. The-
2: do you re- use the reverse hyper machine at all?
1: No, I don't use any machines.
2: Nothing at all. I okay. don't use
1: any. I just use my body.
2: Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, I feel, I feel good doing that. And then mm-hmm. if I'm doing an exercise that's working a muscle that doesn't feel good to me or it's not feeling good on my back or it's irritating my facet joint, I will find another exercise that works that same muscle yeah, in a that, different way. that gives me a better position or a better stance mm-hmm. uh, in, in performing that exercise. Because – After what happened to me, I'm ridiculous about my form and -hmm. making sure that my core is engaged and that my mind and then I have the mind muscle connection at all times when I'm training.
2: So my my follow up question to what Jay saying is, um, is there going to do you foresee there being a a point where you're not going to have to worry about these things anymore while you're working out? Or do you think it's always going to be? You're always going to have to be conscious of it as you're doing your weight training.
1: I feel after this has happened to me, mm-hmm. I'll, my number one focus will always be my back. Mm-hmm. And I train every day because this is medicine for me. Yeah. I, consider, I consider this medicine and I consider this maintenance because what my neurosurgeon told me when this happened to me, I was in my late thirties. He said, you're young. He said, if you're not on top of this, in fixing these muscle imbalances, you're going to have a lot of problems uh, going forward yeah. at, at the level of that facet joint, because I still have disc material there. So they didn't have to put mm-hmm. a spacer or anything in there because after the, the whole herniation,
2: mm-hmm. I know it's
1: unbelievable that I still have disc there, but I still have enough disc there. He didn't do a laminectomy. He didn't do a fusion. Mm-hmm. He, all he did was a micro because my spinal structure was stable it was it was as close to perfect as it could be so to maintain that and not have any complications and to keep my facet joint not irritated mm-hmm. i focus on what my physical therapist told me to do is the muscle fusion so all yeah. the muscles that keep that lumbar spine stable i i constantly do it so working yeah. out this is this is a lifestyle for me
2: mm-hmm. so
1: number one priority in the morning is being up for that hour, being productive, and then training.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think about everything I put in my mouth be- because I noticed that even though I feel really good and I've had this amazing recovery, in certain instances, I will notice certain muscles that are weak that I didn't realize that had a weakness uh, I'll, or if my legs get cold, I'll have nerve pain. Or if my my foot gets too cold, it will go numb. Mm-hmm. And I notice those nerves, that's not normal. That doesn't happen to most people. So those nerves are still healing. So I'm very conscious of w- what I put in my mouth. I don't deal with drama or any type of stress in my life at all. Yeah. I, I cut down on that. Uh, you know, I'm a very happy person. So I just focus on joy. I focus on things. Uh, that make me feel good. I, I'm living my purpose right now. I love working in healthcare and helping people. I love.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I love what's evolving right now uh, with the paleo pharmacist. It's a true passion of mine. Especially getting all these messages and and realizing that I've been able to be a key for somebody and their journey in giving information that they need, or a, a resource, or connecting people with people that. C- that can help each other. That's been extremely uh, gratifying for me because I had that during my recovery. So to know that I've been able to give that back Mm -hmm. makes me feel so good. And I'm just so excited for uh, where my life is going. I feel like being given a second chance where I was almost paralyzed and then losing my dad the way that I did. I just realized that, we worry about so many things that we don't need to worry about. Mm-hmm. And, and life is just so beautiful. And there's, there's so much joy to, to be had in life. And we're meant to create and we're meant to live on purpose. And to be a key and be able to help other people do that, while I do that for myself, it's, it's uh, one of the most rewarding things that I've, I've ever done in my life. So I wouldn't change having this injury and what I went through for anything.
2: It's amazing stuff that's a beautiful
0: story and uh I thank you for the content you put out it's very helpful for me personally uh being on a carnivore journey so I, I love your content oh, i have thank you one so much. final question sure. and uh we'll, we'll let you go um have you since since being on a um a meat-based diet and this is a big question for a lot of people mm-hmm. who hear about um uh, a carnivore a, a meat-based diet have you gotten blood work done and if
1: so what have you seen yep Yep, I've had had some blood work done and there were no no abnormalities, nothing. My cholesterol was slightly high, uh the total cholesterol, but that's as far as my reading. Uh and Dave Feldman is a is a great resource and um Jimmy Moore uh who's another great resource yeah. and cholesterol. I feel comfortable. I'm not worried. Um I'd be worried if my triglycerides were high. My triglycerides weren't high. Mm-hmm. So I don't feel like my LDL has sugar attached to it
2: yeah. uh,
1: where, where I'd be worried um, because I do eat a lot of a- saturated animal fat and we need cholesterol. I need cholesterol for my nerves. I need cholesterol mm-hmm. for my brain. So yeah. I'm not, I'm not worried so much about my blood work, to be honest with you. If I start feeling that I'm missing something – or I start not feeling well, I'll
2: mm-hmm.
1: have more blood work done, but the blood work that I have had done, I haven't, there's been no abnormalities. My, you know, my primary care is not concerned.
2: Cool. Nice. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Blake, then, you got anything else? Um, no. I mean, I, I, the only thing I was going to really ask you was um, like, what what are, what's, what are the boundaries of the, of the carnivore diet in terms of what you're having? Like, Fish, chicken, like basically any type of meat is good, plus eggs.
1: Yeah, I would say anything in the animal kingdom that you want to eat, mm-hmm. go for it. Sweet, yeah, that's awesome.
2: Because I, yeah. I love all types of meat, so that's yeah, pretty-
1: variety. Don't don't limit yeah. yourself. I I I tend to. I'm a minimalist, so mm-hmm. I live my life very simple, and I don't have a lot of clutter. Everything in my home, I either love it. I use it so it takes me 20 minutes to dust and vacuum my apartment a week I spend my life living I don't spend my life you know with stuff so I tend to just gravitate towards what I like Mm -hmm. but based on the science that Dr. Saladino has presented and really got me thinking I have evolved into adding uh, more variety into my carnivore diet and I do feel really good I love I love the row I add mm-hmm. the roe onto my eggs and, and onto my steak. As far as supplements and powders, I, mm-hmm. I don't personally do not feel comfortable uh, putting those in my body at all. Yeah. So I'm looking into being able to eat tendons. And there was a cookbook that came out uh, that Paul posted on his Instagram. So I ordered that cookbook. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see what they have in there to be able to add more variety and make organ meat tasty.
0: Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you, where they could uh, see this uh, this journey of yours.
1: Sure. So my main platform that I'm mostly on is Instagram at The Paleo Pharmacist. And thanks to my peers, I'm now up on Twitter at Dr. Nevada Gray. It's G-R-A-Y. And I have a website, www.thepaleopharmacist.com. And I'm going to start releasing content because I do write a lot. I have a lot of articles written. So I'll start releasing those articles in my blog on that site
2: cool we'll link
0: to all those things in the show notes we'll uh we'll help spread your message and we can't thank you enough for
1: oh uh, thank you so much
2: time to come on yeah this was really awesome and i'm definitely going to give this carnivore diet a whirl at least for 30 days we'll try it out
1: yeah, absolutely. And and mess, message me if, if you have questions, and I can oh, point, sure, point you to resources for sure. Oh, and then I'm working on a project with Chris Donahue, uh, who's well known in the carnivore space. We're going to be coming out with a podcast in the next few weeks. So that's the other project I'm I'm working on.
0: All right. I can't wait to check it out. Can't wait to go thank check you. out your website once you got some uh, some content up. Uh, again, thank you, uh, thank you guys for checking out the Primal Lifestyle Podcast, Doctor Nevada Gray, the Paleo Pharmacist. Thank you so much and have a good night.
2: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, peace.